octalkradio.net. You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at 3 p.m. We can be heard exclusively here on Internet Radio Station, octalkradio.net. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we encourage you to consider to listen about the program during our live broadcast times. This show is brought to you by Succession Strategies, Commerce National Bank, Smart Business Magazine, and Smart Stop Self Storage. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, make better and more informed business decisions. If you are listening to us today live and you're expecting to hear my interview with Marcia Davalos of Small Business Majority, well, just hold on, ladies and gentlemen, because she will be our second guest on today's program, probably in about 20 to 25 minutes. If you are listening live, you can join in on the conversation with either of our two guests today by finding the community chat room section of octalkradio.net's website. Log in with your Twitter handle. This will connect you to our nerve center, to our engineer here in the studio, Paul Roberts. Paul can bring your thoughts, ideas, and questions to my attention, and maybe I can work them into the interviews that I have planned for today. Our first guest, Virginia Lorimore. Did I pronounce your last name right, Virginia? You did. Thank Very, you. Fantastic is the own founder and owner of Win Opportunities. Virginia, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Let's begin by asking for you to share a little bit about your professional background with our audience. Well, I actually grew up in public accounting. It's the time in my life I like to refer to as doing time. I was working as a controller, okay. and the company wanted to go public, and I realized that I couldn't take a company public without a CPA. Right. So I went to work in a big public firm and spent many a years working up to senior managing uh, consulting okay. in public firms and realized that when the whole ugly Enron WorldCom thing hit, we couldn't help our clients anymore. And what firms focused on was helping them with their narrow offerings, not helping them with their needs. I wanted to fix problems to solve challenges, to fix more than just my billable hour rate right. sheet. And their income statement balance sheet, yes, okay. wasn't very exciting. I was inspired to do something more when they actually offered to promote me to partner, and that was to actually put together a company that helped those very same companies, but in a very different way. Interesting. To give them a new perspective okay. on their company. I looked at the fact that big companies pivoted every two to three years. Mm. But the small to mid-sized companies went in, had the same companies look at them year after year, and expected to have a different result. Definition of insanity, right? Exactly. And when you say pivot, can you describe for our audience in your terms, what do you mean by the word pivot? I know it is a horribly overused word right now in the marketplace. But a pivot in your business model is when you actually go out, look at what your competition is doing. Look at what the market needs and align your business to maximize the potential of both. And why would they do that? Ah, maximize potential. Okay. That's not only of your business, but of yourself as a chief executive. I'm sure many listening our audience either today live or in the future on Apple iTunes or Stitcher or something are saying, geez, the recession taught me that I probably didn't have as much energy in my business as I had anticipated because... The net demand went down in many industries during the Great Recession, and they had to figure out some new ideas and some new ways to do that. So maybe if they would have had more skill in learning how to pivot, dealing with something like the recession might have been easier for some of those leaders. Actually, historically, the greatest companies have come out of every recession and every depression. They're the companies that know how to pivot their model during the tough times, how to look to solve a market problem that's not being met. Right. Wow. Wow. So I guess my informal observation is supported by your facts. It is historically accurate back to the 1920s. Perfect. And since I started my company in 2007, which was in the beginning of the Great Recession, I take great comfort in the fact that who knows where critical mass for business can go as we continue to grow and evolve it. I guess I was fortunate to start right before the recession started. I learned some. I feel I learned some valuable lessons as an entrepreneur having to grow a business in difficult economic times. 
I think a lot of people, well, I think some didn't learn. And those are the people that have lost a lot. Those that did learn will come out of it flourishing. And it has really cut the wheat from the shaft. Mm -hmm. But really, when you look at it, every two to three years, a Fortune 100 company will make that change. Okay. Small business owners keep running forward with the same idea. Yeah, it's it's a challenge as an entrepreneur because you build you work so hard to find a business model that works that can drive revenue and make profit and scale to some degree. It's and once you find that, it's really emotionally hard to give up on that because it was many times very challenging to find that business model that works. So I, I can understand why an entrepreneur would be reluctant to introduce too much change and pivot in their business. When they feel like, well, I finally figured this out and I just need to continue to do what I'm doing. You are so right. It, Ironically, I am just super excited. Right now, my business is going through a pivot. It will be my fifth pivot in 10 years. Wow. So tell, tell me about and tell us about your pivot. So we are opening a new business called Great Oaks Strategic Advisors. Okay. If you think about it, a Great Oak starts with an acorn. Yes. It grows solidly over many, many, many years. If it doesn't get the things that it needs, water, air, dirt, nutrients, it doesn't succeed, right? Mm-hmm. Just like a business. Right. You don't get what you need, you don't succeed. Right. It doesn't have to do great things. It just has to be sustainable. But a business that isn't sustainable will die. A bird will eat you, a, a squirrel that is mad and nutty will chase you around the earth. (laughs) So what we look at is, do you have the sustainable processes to keep your business viable in a competitive market? Something that would be viable in 1970 would not necessarily be viable today. If I went into business selling Ataris, unless they are mint condition from 1970 in their original box, and even arguably then, it's not going to be a good business model. And it's and it may not even be the product or service. It may be the distribution model. I look at Amazon and how disruptive they were in still selling books and selling other merchandise, but doing it in a different way enabled by technology. So a business entrepreneur can be faced with needing to change maybe not even the basic product, but how it's delivered and satisfied to the customer in the marketplace too. Absolutely. And I think so many people that go in... I know you and I share very many core principles when it comes to how we look at businesses and how we know that how the owner really feels about the business and themselves and their lives affects how the business is run. Mm -hmm. It's hand in hand. But I also know that the business itself, as it's trying to grow, can be really truly held back by that business owner's mentality and lack of willingness to make changes. Yes. And they need that objective perspective having an objective perspective of more than one person. When I started Win Opportunities, I was one person. Mm. Now we are a whole team of people with, I'm the youngster at 37, and there's a, I hate to admit it, there are all a whole lot of gray-haired folks on the team, <laughs> but we have depth. There's nothing wrong with gray-haired folks. But we have depth and breadth of experience in every industry, from trades to restaurants to manufacturing and distribution okay. to digital media. And that's what I love is the challenge of working in different spaces and places because each of them has a unique challenge to face, but it can all be systematically solved. We call it breathing a fresh breath of fresh air into a company. Hmm. And that's just analyze, investigate, and repair. So help me understand when opportunities, uh, is it continuing forward? It is not. And the reason is we really felt like we were spending 80% of our time on the companies that made us the least amount of money. And we want to focus 100% of our time on the 20% that really were being successful for us. Mm. Continuing on with that same brand lacked helping us make the distinction in the marketplace that we are not targeting the same market anymore. And that we also are having different offerings. Okay. One of the things I think that is a really big challenge for CEOs is finding a space where you can talk about the frustrations in your business, talk about the frustrations in your life, Mm -hmm. in your health, in a space where you know it's private. I know that there is Vistage. There are are large CEO roundtables. Right. But if you think that they're private, you can be often very mistaken. Mm -hmm. 
gossip happens and word gets around and to truly have that intimate space where you can be yourself and have facilitated advice come back to you. Right. And then just to sit down and hear someone who we would bring in as a guest speaker, someone like yourself, someone who has great expertise and learn along with your peers, hear their smart questions, Mm -hmm. learn from their smart answers. Right. To be able to mingle with like-minded executives. I'm all about the power of peer learning. That's how we started Critical Mass Radio Show. That's why I write my books and do the other things that I do, because I believe you can learn so much from those who are facing into or who have recently faced into the same opportunities and challenges that you face, Virginia. I think it's an underserved market. Uh, We're going to take our first commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about Great Oak Strategic Advisors as well as some other questions that I have planned to ask you today. So, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after these words from our commercial sponsors. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. I got stuff to the right, more stuff to the left. Got enough stuff, but I can't take a step. So I smart stopped and took a minute to think. I need a little better spot, not under the sea. With smart stop, I leave the stress at the door. It's the smart old way to score. Smart stop bucks the system. Your first month's rent is just a buck. Your next three months are half off. Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station. Goodbye clutter, hello floors. Smart stop, the smart way to There's something happening out there today. All across America, we're seeing encouraging signs of economic recovery. Businesses are once again thinking about new growth, and new opportunities are emerging. But it raises the question, is your company positioned to take full advantage of the economic recovery and the opportunities it presents? Maybe it's time to ask, how has the recession impacted your business model? Is your business as relevant as it once was? Should you consider entering new markets or expanding into new categories? And what do customers really value about their relationship with you? The golden thread through all these questions and the answer to each and every one of them can be found in just one place. Your brand. It's much deeper than your logo and much bigger than your advertising. Your brand is the enabler of your entire business strategy. Rika's Baird is a brand strategy firm that can help. They specialize in business branding. They've helped hundreds of companies from startups to Fortune 500 leverage their brands to drive growth. They can do the same for yours. It's really quite simple. Find out more, just visit brandingbusiness.com. That's www.brandingbusiness.com. And plant the seed for economic growth. Back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This show is one in this series of weekly programs. If you know of a potential guest for our program, connect with us by visiting our website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com, and select the contact page where you can find my email address and phone number. About half of our radio show guests come to us through referrals of past guests or nominations from the community of loyal listeners. Thank you. Let's return to our interview with Virginia Lorimer. We're talking about her latest venture. How exciting. 
Great Oak Strategic Advisors. So if someone were interested in learning more about the products and services that you're offering to your clients, tell us a little bit more about how you're positioning your firm with them. Well, as I was growing my first company, I felt like I was completely alone. I didn't have a board of directors as a sounding board. I didn't know how to set up my legal entity. I was alone, right? Right. Everybody knows that lonely at the top. Right. Then I got to a new level of alone. When you have a board of directors, when you have a spouse that's supportive, when you have a family to deal with, when you have nine different aspects of your life to balance, Mm -hmm. and you have no space where you are free to talk about anything. Whatever it is, right or wrong, no one's going to judge you. You're not going to go home and your wife's not going to say, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to spend more time with the kids. You need to take a vacation. You're always at work. Is there, Are you really networking? Right. When you're not at home. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because, what are you really doing? because chief executives are now responsible for doing so much more in right. our new lean concept of an organization. Mm-hmm. And I found that... There were a lot of networking organizations out there that said that they were for chief executives. And I found a lot of entrepreneurs who had napkin ideas, were looking for funding, and weren't really chief executives. So unless you hung out at a private club, which I enjoy doing sometimes, but I don't want my business getting around there. Mm-hmm. So it's very isolated. Right. I thought, okay, I'm a woman business owner. Maybe I'll go to Nabo. And primarily it was MLMs and small stay-at-home businesses who were hobbyists while their kids went to school. And, and it was the timing, I was told, that when I, when I went. And, okay. and I'll grant them that. Maybe it may I, well be. Maybe right. I need to go back and revisit that. Okay. And I was told there, there are much higher levels. And, and perhaps that they, they were talking at that time about meeting at a different time for the higher-level businesses. And I thought, why don't the higher-level businesses want to mix with everyone else? Mm. And, and I realize now, having grown from a solo entrepreneur to the head of a corporation with board of directors and shareholders and so many other responsibilities, that it was because you don't have a lot of in common. Right. They're and not peers. They're, they're, they're not peers. Yeah. Size of organization is a huge determinant on if, if you really are a peer leading similar organizations. Right. Right. And they didn't have the same problems, and they needed someone candid. Uh-huh. So in the new business... It's kind of an interesting setup in that you're walking in like you're walking into someone's very high-end living room. You're walking into your home. And yes, there is an an executive conference room where you can have your business meeting. And if you have an issue you need to work through or we're really having a meeting with you, we can conduct business. Mm -hmm. But if you're going there and you're exchanging ideas with your peers... You're not doing it at a round table, in a rented space, in a cold environment. You're not doing it drunk at a networking mixer where you're blabbing off your mouth when you shouldn't be. Right, you shouldn't do that there. Yeah, networking isn't a place for honest feedback and candid reveals. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely yeah. not, although I've Neither seen Neither are trade happen. associations. You, you know, people go to there, and I think everyone should be a member of a trade their own trade association. But Absolutely. that's not where you go to get unfiltered advice from your peers because many times they're your competitors. Plus, some of that stuff you don't want known in your industry. Right. You know, the challenges and opportunities right. you're thinking about, the acquisition you're going to make, firing Bob, those aren't topics that you want to share with people who are in your industry necessarily. And I would talk to CEOs and they'd say, well, I see a therapist once a month because I'm so distraught over my life. Hmm. Even when they were happily married and, and didn't have drama at home because they were so overwhelmed And I knew that sense of being overwhelmed. So I wanted us to be able to come to a gathering point, but truly one that was vetted with people who were there as peers to be able to offer a different vantage point. I tend to think of everything 90 degrees off. What do you mean by that? I guess to say that I'm off my rocker, but in a very good way. Okay. You see things differently. I see things differently. Okay. And and when I look at a person, I look at their potential. When I look at a business, I look at its potential. Right. Not where you're at today, but where you could conceivably be. And I love to take in everyone else's perspectives. So we have perspective roundtables. When we have 
different meetings in person if you're local, then you're getting different people's vantage points. That's very valuable. One of the people I, I most highly regard is Richard Sudik. He heads up the, the Center for Entrepreneurship at Chapman University. Okay. And he wrote a paper called Learning from Your Failures. Mm. It's a white paper. I think that there's nothing better than, that you can do than to exchange learning from other people's, not only fa- failures, but also what they've done right. Right. So that cross-pollination that happens. We do that via some webinars and some retreats. Okay. Because sometimes you do just need to get away to work on your business for more than just a few hours at a time. And if you can't get away from your business, it's another thing that we may work with you on. Yes, you should be able to get away from your business as the top executive. It's unhealthy that the business can't operate if you're not there. There is no business if it can't operate when right. you're not there. Right, And that's an e-myth idea. I mean, you, the book talks about how to create a business that has value beyond you. And many entrepreneurs don't ever create a business that they can effectively sell because they are too feel, much of the business. I think many feel very overwhelmed by that thought. They they look at that and they think, well, I don't have time to do that. Right. I don't have the money to do that. Right. I don't have the desire to do that. I don't have time to I delegate. Don't, I don't need it right now. Right. I've got news for you. You never know what's going to happen. Not quite a year ago, I was in a horrible traffic accident. I'm sorry to hear that. About a foot off, I would not be here today. Wow. For the first month, I couldn't remember things from day to day. I would have never expected it. And I am grateful for every single day that I'm here. Sure. But people who put off till tomorrow and procrastinate are doing no benefit to themselves, to their business, to their family, to their friends. People, I think, take this gift that we have and act like we're going to live to 105, says Prudential now. Right. Save to retire till you're 105. I've got news for you. You want to exit your business long before then. <laughs> the average career lasts 15 years. Yeah. How long do you want to be in business? And don't you want your business to be worth the absolute most it can be worth? Yes. answer to that question is yes. You know, we look for teachable moments here on Critical Mass, and I let one go by that, I wanted to come back to in the final few minutes that we have together, Virginia, and that is that you took a look at your clients and you realized that you wanted to focus on the 20% of your clients that were most profitable, had the best revenue potential, and all, all too frequently, my experience is entrepreneurs don't do that, especially in the early days. Understandable, you're happy to get business and drive the cash register and scale the business, but pretty soon after you do that, you have to really have a discipline around who's your ideal client and who are the kind of clients of all the clients you do business with that it makes the most sense to focus on. Because sometimes businesses spend the most amount of time and energy on their least profitable clients, not even realizing that if they didn't look at it by client, they go, why am I giving so much resources to these people other than they kind of complain and they demand it, but there's not a financial justification. So thank you for touching on that. And I can tell you this, I've asked many a business owner to change their name to truly identify that they are changing their target demographic. Okay. I am changing my name. Right. I'm giving up a name that I love. I love the wind companies. And I'm going with a new name. I'm I'm using my own advice in every step of this implementation process to take it to the next level. And I know how hard it is. I know people are scared. People aren't going to know me by a different name. Right. You don't know yourself by that name either yet. You know what I'm saying? You're it's like a friend. Your business becomes some someone that you're comfortable with. And then to change that, that's... It's a, it's a big fear. Will I be able to acquire customers under a new name? Right. Well, I don't think the name is the value. It isn't. People who know me know the value. Okay. And I agree that trusted advisors are the way to build relationships and build your business. Once you have a reputation, it doesn't go away with your name. Mm-hmm. Right. It's your presence and who you know. So how would people find your firm online? Currently, we have a landing page set up okay. where you can contact us at gostrategicadvisors.com. Or, of course, you could old school dial me at 949-502-4200. Although, really, gostrategicadvisors.com is probably the easiest. Okay, so our listening audience are made up of CEOs, business owners, entrepreneurs, business executives, not just here in Southern California, but across the country, if not around the world. 
based on the fact that we're on internet radio station, octalkradio.net. What type of individual that's listening to this interview today or as a podcast in the future should be the type that picks up the phone and calls you or goes to your landing page and learns more about your organization? Needs to be the chief, the decision maker, the one who really sets the tone for the business. Okay. The business needs to be stable. It can be one that is growing or struggling, either way, but one that is open-minded. We work with companies all across the nation and internationally. Okay. We can be a U.S. headquarters and develop a stateside location for international companies. Any size considerations or? Yes, they do need to be of a certain size if they're not in an, an I have, it's ironic, as a former CPA, I have a different approach. I don't look at revenues. Okay. I look at employees because it's very important to me to see whether a company is staffed appropriately or not. So if you have a minimum of 20 employees, mm-hmm. and I really prefer to stay out of companies that are over about 500, I, I think in, right. in my world, that's where our sweet spot ends. You're in our target market. And there are just a ton of those size companies that could use help, and I'm glad you've decided to pivot and move in this direction. I'm confident that you'll be able to create a lot of value and help a lot of individuals out there because it is tough to be the leader of an organization. There's only ever one of them in the company, and it is lonely by virtue of that. Virginia, thank you for your time here on Critical Mass. Thanks for being a friend of the program. Welcome to the community of Critical Mass radio show guests and listeners. Thank you for having me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take our second commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. And when we come back, as promised, Marcia Dabalos of Small Business Majority will be our guest. My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scam, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank Relationship Officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technology as the big banks, but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a small or medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch, too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit them online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they'll handle the rest. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plan and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I wanted to thank and acknowledge our listeners who have downloaded uh, at least one podcast of our show. Collectively, you've downloaded over 8,000 shows over the last 30 days. We here at the program and the radio station appreciate your continued support. All of our shows can be heard live here on Internet Radio Station, octalkradio.net, or, as you know, rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcasting services. If you'd like to find the archives of our show and more about our radio programs, go to our website, www.criticalmass4business.com. As promised, our second guest is here in the studio, 
Marcia Davalos of Small Business Majority is our guest. Welcome to the program. Thank you much. For, thank you very much for having me, Rick. It is our pleasure. Tell us a little bit about your background. Then we're going to get into talking about Small Business Majority, but I'm curious about you. Okay. Well, uh, let's see. So um, how it is that uh, I came to be with the Small Business Majority is that um, I had been, I'd grown and uh, grew up in a very uh, small business, mom and pop shop. Okay. And, um, you know, really knew that to be my world. Uh, and uh, about seven years ago, I was, uh, about seven or eight years ago, I was diagnosed with uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, hmm. very rare form of cancer. And um, um, great to say that that's all behind me now okay. as well. Good. Uh, but, you know, it really uh, made me kind of take a little bit harder look at my life and really try to see what it is that I wanted to do right. and where it is that I wanted to move forward. And uh, through a series of, um, you know, different uh, avenues that I have kind of uh, picked, uh, I have chosen, you know, really advocacy and health to be, um, a central focus of mine. Got it. Um, you know, I know that I am here on borrowed time and, uh, I have chosen to really, uh, focus on advocacy and make sure that I, uh, am able to provide a voice for many people that, um, don't have that. Mm. So, um, a little bit of a, uh, a rocky path, but nonetheless, a very, a wonderful life experience that has, you know, brought me to where I am today. I'm glad you're in good health. Thank you for sharing that with our audience. Um, let's talk about small business majority. You talk about advocacy. So let's start by saying, what is small, who or what is small business majority? Small business majority is a national nonprofit organization that really focuses on the priorities and the issues that are most important to small business owners. And having been that, I you know just told you that I grew up in a small business. Right, you appreciate that. Very, very intimate knowledge on really what it takes to run a business here. You know, a lot of people, I think, in the um, in a lot of the decision making uh, areas or decision making sectors of um, you know our state and our regions mm -hmm. uh, are very focused on um, you know what it is to be you know, advocates and proponents of certain things. And I, you know, I hate to put it in this light, but, you know, I'm very caught up in a lot of the bureaucracy okay. that is, um, you know, what what is, uh, you know, a lot of these decision-making areas. So can I ask you, you yeah, say the small business definitely. majority um, advocates on behalf of small business. How do you know what the issues are that 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 constituent cares about? Um, so uh, the small business majority as a whole uh, really does a lot of scientific opinion polling, which is very different than, you know, regular polling that a lot of advocacy organizations tend to do to their own members, which is poll their own members and ask them questions. So therefore, you have a organization that's focused on one thing, so you get very skewed results. But uh, small business majority polls small business members at large and really ask them, you know, what are their top line issues? What is it that they care about? And you know, always in the top one or two items, it's always like cost containment sure. or, you know, access to capital. Um, you know, a lot of things that a lot of small business owners are, you know, faced with a lot of tough decisions. How big is small business majority? So we're in the process of growing right now. Okay. Um, we have about 21 uh, on staff. And like I said, we're a national nonprofit. And I think by the end of the year, we're probably poised to have about 27 people on staff. So How many members? we're kind of growing. Do you, do you um, share that information, the size of your membership? Um, well, uh, yeah, that varies. I, I don't have, uh, okay. you know, specific numbers okay. for that, but it's, um, you know, I would say it, nationally, I mean, we touch, you know, uh -huh. thousands of not only small business owners, but small business organizations as well. Okay. Um, and people that also have direct access to small business owners and, you know, very uh, different forms, like, you know, non-traditional forms. So, yeah, so chambers, I guess, would be like, you know, your typical outlet, right. um, you know, for small business owners to really, you know, go to, to seek 
uh, you know, help or services, but we also partner with SBAs and, you know, a lot of, like I said, non-traditional organizations that really service a lot of small Your organization first came to my attention because I was listening to Bloomberg Radio on XM Radio, Mm -hmm. and they had your founder talking, and they were interviewing him, and he's from California, right? Correct. And his name is? John Ahrensmeyer. Okay. And Mm -hmm. he started the organization a while ago. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about John? Yes. So John is also or has uh, served in the capacity of being a small business owner himself and uh, a couple of in a couple of different uh, businesses and, um, you know, is very familiar with uh, with, you know, what it takes to bring a small business to, you know, a medium sized business and really, you know, what it takes for a small business to grow. Um, You need, you know access to capital, you need to have a lot of manpower, and you need to know how to run, you know, a pretty tight ship, mm-hmm. which is, you know, what he does with the small business majority. Um, he also has a, um, uh, a lifelong uh, kind of, uh, you know, peace in his heart that is really dedicated also to, you know, policy and advocacy as well. So, um, you know, about uh, 10, 15 years ago, he really... Uh, started to, you know, focus a lot more of his efforts to, you know, leave, uh, you know, the corporate world and, uh-huh. and really start focusing on the, you know, advocacy end of things. And, you know, what a perfect merger for him to have, you know, advocacy group that really, advocacy nonprofit that really brings together the small businesses, you know, the sm- advocacy for small businesses, which is something that's so near and dear to his heart. And what's your role? I am the Southern California Outreach Manager. And so I am focused on the entire Southern California region. Okay. Um, and uh, right now, currently, my primary focus is uh, making sure that uh, we keep small business in mind as the Affordable Care Act kind of rolls out across California. So I am, you know, advocating on behalf of small business owners to make to make sure that uh, they get information that really um, is very relevant to them and understanding from their perspective how health reform is going to impact their bottom line. That's an interesting aspect of your organization. When you, probably many in the audience, when they hear advocacy, they think, okay, you guys are lobbying or mm-hmm. talking to state legislators, county, the go- the state government, and then also at the federal level, mm-hmm. you're doing the same thing with the congressmen and congresswomen as well. But part of your outreach is to actually talk to the constituents that you're representing, small businesses and the leaders of those organizations. So really, this outreach and uh, is is a two way street, isn't it? Yeah, it, it really it really is. And yes, you know, advocacy. There's a lot of uh, different terms. You know, some people are like, "No, you're a lobbyist." Right. You know, but then at the same time, you know, there there is a certain amount of lobbying. I mean, you know, lobbying is a very loose term. I mean, you can use it for you know, uh, to mean many different things, of course, but, uh, you know, there is talking to legislators, you know, there is talking to decision makers and, um, you know, there's a lot to be said about really having conversations with those people and really giving them, you know, the perspective and point of view from a small business owner, you know, unfortunately, small business owners, they, they are focused on their small business. You know, right. they have very limited time. Yes. They are focused on making sure that, you know, they, you know, can, uh, you know, make ends meet and, you know, their primary focus is their business. So having extra time to run around and, you know, talk to people and tell them what they think, it's not something that's very, yeah, 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 exactly. Not, not for small business owners. I mean, you know, we know that we know what their priorities are. So, um, so it it kind of like, you know, takes one to know what it, what, what it really takes to, uh, to speak to people on behalf of small business owners. Okay. We're going to take our third commercial break here on critical mass radio show. And when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation that we've begun here with Marcia Davalos of small business majority. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, be right back after these words from our commercial sponsors. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference is who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children, because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader, tutor, or mentor. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. 
Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on the radio show may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of this show. We deliver over 20,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions a month. If you'd like to learn more about advertising, then speak to our advertising department at 949-887-4104. All right, let's return to our guest, Marcia Davalos of Small Business Majority, who I'm interviewing today from the beautiful state-of-the-art studio of octalkradio.net in the tech space offices here in Costa Mesa, California. All right, Marcia, let's talk about that thing called the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. Obamacare. You talk about your organization does scientific polling of your members to develop the positions that you advocate for. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us from your polling data what your members are saying at a top level about the Affordable Care Act? Well, you know, small business majority as a whole has taken a position that we believe that the Affordable Care Act is really going to benefit the small business owner as a whole. Um, You know, it uh, there's a lot of provisions within the Affordable Care Act that are patient protection provisions that really protect uh, consumers as a whole. Okay. But uh, speaking specifically to small businesses, you know, it's another option. It's another option that's out there for small business owners. Um, if they have less than 50 employees, uh, you know, nothing they have to worry about, uh, business as usual. But there's also this other option, which is the exchange, which is the Small Business Health Options Program, nicknamed SHOP. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is going to open on January 1st, which is going to give them another option for them to seek, to look for health insurance. And if it makes sense for them, they can make the, and and if it it works out numbers wise, um, then, you know, it's available for them to access. And if not, then, you know, they can choose to not. But uh, it's, I think it's, uh, you know, from business, it's it's a business decision, really. And what it is, is another option. So let's um, back up a bit to what I heard you say. You said something that I, I would like you to kind of explain a little bit more, and that is if your business has less than 50 employees, the Affordable Care Act doesn't change anything about your your health care. Did I understand that correctly? Correct. Correct. If you have less than 50 employees, then as an employer, uh, you're not uh, required to do anything. Okay. You don't have to business as usual if you do not offer insurance. You do not have to, you know, begin offering insurance. And if you do offer insurance, you can continue to offer insurance. Right. Uh, most you, most of the clients that I work with and that I'm probably, I would say, that get over 700 guests that have been on the radio program, regardless of their size, once they get to uh, maybe 10 employees, mm-hmm. they seem to offer some level of, of, mm-hmm. of medical benefits, mm-hmm. almost as a competitive tool to attract people, but also because they want benefits and it just kind of makes sense. So I, I think it's a... Um, I don't want to say this too strongly, but it seems to me that more companies are offering the coverage than aren't offering any kind of coverage. Is is that what your research shows? Or uh, yes, yes, our research shows that you know um, a good ninety six percent of the businesses in California are have less than fifty employees. Okay, and of that, uh, you know, four percent that uh, has more than fifty employees, three point eight four percent of those are already offering coverage. Okay. Um, and so, for those that have more than fifty that have to offer that that have to have a program to offer coverage, it sounds like, except for three point four percent of them, they've already got the coverage. Yeah, they've already some, got a coverage. Some coverage. Right. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and as far as small businesses are concerned, um, you know, unfortunately, small business owners don't have that that luxury. We know that uh, you know, uh, close to thirty percent of small business owners in the state of California are uninsured, hmm. and that's uh, that's not because they don't want to be insured. 
It's just simply because they can't afford it. You know, it's just the cost is too high. And um, at 25% of self-employed, you know, people that, Mm -hmm. you know, are entrepreneurs that work for themselves are also uninsured. And just it's not because they don't want to be insured. It's just simply because costs are too high and they can't afford it. So it's interesting to me that your organization, which represents small business interests in your scientific survey of your of your membership came back and, and, and adopted the position that the Affordable Care Act actually is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not putting words in your mouth, am I? No. I'm saying good thing. No, I mean, it no. Yes. Yeah, we definitely think that it's going to benefit a lot of small business owners. And, in fact, you know, there's recent studies that have just been, you know, coming out in the news right now that, you know, they say that, uh, that there's going to be a huge surge of entrepreneurs you know, people that really want to start their own business. They, I agree with that. They guesstimate about 250,000, so a quarter of a million okay. small business owners that really are affected right now by this thing called job lock, which means that, you know, they don't like the job that they're at, but they can't leave because their job offers them benefits. Mm-hmm. And so they can't leave their job because they have either pre-existing conditions or something like that. And starting January 1st, 2014, Pre-existing conditions are, you know, they're out the window. It's guaranteed issue. It means right. it doesn't matter what happens. You can, if you apply to get health insurance, you will get it. And so this is going to free up a lot of, uh, you know, for, for these people that are, you know, that are stuck in their jobs, that can't break away and, you know, open up their own business, even though they want to, mm-hmm. they can't because of those limitations. Right. Well, it, it seems to me that the from talking to and listening and learning about the Affordable Care Act that, Part of what it's introducing at the individual level is an understanding of what coverage they have, what's the in cost of having that coverage, what are they, it's really also how do we protect people from catastrophic illnesses such that they don't lose all of their financial wealth to an illness or a sickness, which can happen very easily. So for me, it looks like one of the benefits of the Affordable Care Act is it's forcing a conversation about what is my coverage and how much does it cost? Kind of this consumerism into healthcare, which we have for many other types of insurance that we buy every day, like let's say renter's insurance or health or, or car insurance or fire insurance or earthquake insurance. But for some reason, the same level of sophistication at the individual level wasn't there relative to the health insurance. I think almost because it was sort of the employer's doing and they just sort of picked and chose what was offered to them by their employer. Right, right. And so now one of the provisions of the Affordable Care Act um, state that an employer has to let their employees know uh, what kind of coverage they have and what's included in their coverage, you know, which, you know, I think it, you know, points to a really good uh, point there that, you know, a lot of people don't know what's, what is in their health plan. And how much it costs, right? Exactly. It's starting, it's going to be started to be reported on your end of the year earnings statement, what the medical benefits part that the company paid for on your behalf was, which I think begins to teach people how much, you know, when you work with a business owner, you learn that the employee's salary is only a part of their total cost of the business. Right. We call it this burden cost. Mm-hmm. And you start adding, and sometimes it's 30 40% on top of what the pay base was. Mm-hmm. And part of it is the benefits that you're offering to them. Right. And so that W-2 reporting requirement that you talked about, so that's only for businesses that have more than 200 employees, so okay. for larger companies. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, you know, what this does is it really sheds a light on how much money the employer is actually contributing to an employee's benefits. You know, a lot of the times the employees and they, you know, when they leave their jobs, they see their COBRA, you know, bill and they're like, this is outrageous. That's too expensive. I can't yeah. afford a go- coverage, no, right? Yeah. yeah. No. Well, your employer's been paying this right. the whole time. You just didn't know about it. Right. So this actually creates more of a transparent process, you know, and I think that employees will then, I, I think in a way, you know, appreciate their health insurance even more. Right. You know, and then they'll be able to know what they have access to. And, you know, the fact that a lot more of the focus on healthcare is shifting towards prevention yes. and preventive services, right. you know, and catastrophic support and catastrophic care. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Prevention and catastrophic. And then in the middle, you're a, it's your responsibility to figure out how to protect yourself with programs and insurance. So, uh, you know, the individual. Well, well, not really. It's not your on your own. There's a lot of things out there to help you. Okay. And there's a lot more things out there to help you. So you're encouraged, like, you know, by buying, you know, by being in the system, I think that you'll, you'll be able to see that, um, you know, 
every year you'll have access to preventive services. Mm-hmm. So you, that you make sure that you, you you do your due diligence and every year to go get your medical checkups and, you know, make sure that you're healthy, be able to talk to your doctor and be able to be aware of, you know, what your blood sugar is like, you know, and, and to prevent diseases from happening in the first place. Yeah, and it's, um, I think it's almost an oxymoron and maybe I, Maybe my opinion isn't shared universally. It's probably not. No opinion is shared universally in a democracy. But it's interesting how go- more government involvement in the healthcare system is almost forcing more consumerism, which is, and capitalism, which is a hallmark of what's made this country great competition and informed consumer base and making intelligent choices about the products and services that they buy. And I think, hopefully, long term, what we'll see is that the Affordable Care Act. Brought people's brought the cost of healthcare into the consciousness of this country, such that we learn how to together deal with it. Because it's a very big cost driver, not just for businesses and individuals, but for governments and to be able to support that. It's a huge cost driver. I mean, we know that small businesses pay on average eighteen percent more than large firms for everything: healthcare cost, overhead, you know, mm-hmm. all across across the board. So small business owners are already paying eighteen percent more. Um, so, you know, and what you referred to as far as the rates are concerned, you know, it's really interesting that we've already seen that Covered California mm-hmm. has come out with their initial rates for the individual right. market, which surprisingly enough, people were like really worried about this. Like, oh, my goodness, the rates are going to be high. 13 to 30 percent lower than current rates. We were all we were shocked, but mm-hmm. shocked in the other way, you know, right. positively shocked, not negatively shocked that rates were actually going to be low. And exactly what this does, the only thing that it does, creates more competition. Which is a good thing. Exactly. If someone wants to learn more about Small Business Majority, how do they find you online? They can go online at smallbusinessmajority.org. And uh, there's also other resources. If they want to know more about Covered California and uh, this new health plan, uh, they can go to coveredca.com. And uh, if they want to become a member of small business, how do they do that? Smallbusinessmajority.org. Okay. And sign up. They can sign up there and become a member. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, Marcia, I appreciate you spending the time with us today and sharing just a little bit about your fine organization and sort of your perspective on these large and important issues. Rick, thank you so much. Pleasure. My pleasure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for another episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I'd like to thank our producer, Rachel Franzi. Our engineer, as I said earlier, is none other than Paul Roberts. Our marketing communications manager is Kelly Faltus. And our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. Until we have the next time, until the next time we have a chance to talk, I'm hoping that all of your decisions will move your business in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show right here on OCTalkRadio.net.